by using all kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it and what were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings, and I guess salutations, like Angel used to say. Uh, you are listening live to, well, actually, for those of you that are listening to the recording later on, this was a live podcast on Tuesday, the 14th of, what is this? August, August, that's right, folks, it's August. That's right, you're listening to Skywatchers Radio, and you are going to have a fun and entertaining time with me. What's normally called the other guy is now that guy on the radio. Uh, we are actually going to be doing a two-hour broadcast tonight. We've got a couple of interesting things happening and a very, very interesting guest that some of you are going to want to actually call in and talk to. Now, do yourselves a favor. Either bring up a notepad on your screen or get a pen and paper so you take the phone number down so you can call in later. And that number is 876-245-8127. Again, uh, that. No, 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 it's 786. No, it's 786. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm dyslexic, and that was Angel in the background, the voice of God uh, for this PSN radio network. Uh, again, it's 8, I'm sorry, 786. Did I get that right? 786 245 mm-hmm. 786-245-8127. 786-245-8127. I am your other guy, Alan Weiler, as some of you know, uh, and some of you know me by my actual name, but we're not talking about it because I don't want the bad people coming after me and censoring me. Speaking of censoring, I'm sure everybody knows that there's been some major censorship on the Internet this week, usually relating to and primarily Alex Jones. But funny as it is, would you believe me if I told you that the guys from Secure Team 10, uh, who's also a UFO uh, YouTube channel, was also censored just for mentioning that Alex Jones got banned? They get banned? How's that for interesting? Again, call in. Let me know your opinions because, again, it's 786 245-8127. Now, some interesting things that are happening today that are not in the news. Uh, this is the last night of the Perseid meteor shower that you could stick your head outside and see uh, an average of 30 to 40 meteors and shooting stars going across the sky uh, during the evening tonight. Uh, that's pretty much all around the world, too, I believe. Um I've been told that this year has been the brightest 
in the past 200 or so years for the brightness level of these meteor showers. And I just wish I could actually stick my head out and do an actual sky watching because we are called Sky Watchers Radio. Uh, I wish I could do some sky watchers, uh, sky watching, but unfortunately I'm talking to everyone here that's listening to the show. Now, uh, other things that I should tell you are going on in the world. Uh, oh, that's right. I have to tell you about the guest. Sorry I'm all over the place and bouncing around, folks. I'm just having fun doing this. Uh, hang on one second. I just got a message from someone, and I got told... Uh, okay, I got to look at that later. Okay, thank you for pointing that out, Mr. Person on Skype. Uh, I have to tell you about who our guest is tonight. Uh, the guest tonight, by the way, for those of you that are interested in coming in and listening in on the last hour of the show, is Walter Bosley. Walter Bosley, by the way, is a famed, fa- uh, rather famous actual author uh, who's got uh, an investigation series on historical occult mysteries. He's author of a couple of Pulp Fiction novels, not the movie Pulp Fiction. He's also been a screenwriter for History Channel's Ancient Aliens as well, too. No, he does not do the voice, but um, but he, he he's written some scripts. Um, let's see, what else can I tell you about him? Uh, he's very entertaining, and the primary topics we're going to be going over tonight are the secret space program and Trump's new space, 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 force, 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 force. Okay, sorry, I did that echo, and I know it wasn't a great one, so please forgive me, folks. Um, let's see, what else can I tell you that I should tell you? Um, let's see, I'm looking at my list of things to do on... The show tonight, I've already covered, you know, the opening banter and who's our guest. Oh, I have to do a one-minute shameless plug of a product. The problem is, congratulations, folks, I don't have a product to shamelessly plug. So, I'm going to see if Angel, on the other end, somewhere orchestrating everything, has a product with a shameless plug on. Angel, do you have a shameless plug? Voice from the above? Yes, this week we have uh, Skywatcher's Radio Shampoo, and it's brought to you by the one and only Jesse Randolph. Yes, his hair is messy, his hair is dirty, but gosh darn it, it's the envy of the town. That's right, Jesse Randolph presents Euphonaut Shampoo, live and uncut. That's pretty funny, shampoo that's uncut, so he needs a haircut. ha <laughs> And if you've seen Jesse's head, you know that it's very uncut. Okay, he looks like a hippie tree hugger. Indeed. Okay, thank you for that shameless plug. It wasn't a minute long, but, you know, we were close enough. All right, uh, since we've gone through those major things, let's jump over to what happened this week in the UFO world and the semi-not UFO, but we find interesting. First thing that's up there is, of course, everybody has heard, if they haven't heard, uh, Egypt has found the second Sphinx while trying to do some road excavations. Uh, The second Sphinx itself was found um, after workers accidentally dug up uh, the renowned artifact during road work. Um, I'm looking at an article that uh, states that engineers came to halt stumbling Upon a large statue, which they described as having the lion's body with a human head. Gee, does that sound familiar again? Uh, the soon to be realized, they soon realized that they retrieved the world's second Egyptian Sphinx, 
texts which originated as far back as 2500 BC according to traditional archaeology, although obviously ancient alien theory suggests it might be 12,000 years I'm not old. Listening to you. You're crazy. Now, here's what my question is. The famous psychic Edgar Cayce said that we would find information underneath the paw of the Sphinx. Now, my question is, is now which Sphinx? Dun, dun, dun. By the way, Angel, you have to get that sound effect. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I have it somewhere in here. Oh, okay. Anyway, Mohammed Abel-Baziz, the director of General Antiquities, said the structure has yet to be removed from the ground and remains embedded in the soil until it can be properly excavated. Members of the public can now visit the site, though, where the Sphinx was found, Antiques Minister uh, Khalid Al-Ani said. Uh, the Great Sphinx of Giza in Egypt is the largest and most famous Sphinx in the world and is situated at the Giza Plateau on the west bank of the Nile River in Egypt. Uh, it was carved out of bedrock of the Giza Plateau itself, uh, made out of limestone, and it is said to be one of the world's largest single stone statues. Uh, let's see. They also say that ancient Egyptians regarded the Sphinx as a symbol of royalty, and pharaohs would have their heads carved into stone, uh, which are then placed on their tombs. Uh, this is known as a way to mark their relationship to Skenet, uh, the solar deity, uh, deity, which was believed to be a lioness. Uh, in late 2017, historians, historians believed the Great Sphinx of Giza was an entrance to a secret underground city, which was concealed by Egyptian authorities. I'm telling you, there's always some type of a scandal or some type of a hidden agenda or something not being told about the Sphinx and the Pyramids. And hopefully one of these decades will actually know what's going on. Uh, archaeologists also believe that the Sphinx sits on top of a complex of network tunnels with passages which lead to a massive underground metropolis. You know, these stories have been around for a long, long time. And um, I'm starting really to believe them because they found the second Sphinx. And there's always been rumors of there being a second Sphinx somewhere. Um, there's so much stuff buried under the sand in Egypt that who knows when we're going to find what. Uh, historian, historian Jerry Cannon uh, previously told Express UK uh, it was a – it was as if every living Egyptologist has launched interest in the wonderful underground metropolis. For all the articles uh, during the ensuing years are centered more on tombs of the queens and shafts that have been sunk deep into the ground uh, to burial tombs. Nobody knows what's under here, and no one is able to investigate, thanks, unfortunately, to the wonderful restrictions that, uh, that the Department of Antiquities has actually put on... Uh, on research. Here's an interesting quote. They're actually frightened if they find stuff under there. It's going to blow all their books and all their history out the window. Uh, they started to investigate it, but then they stopped. So they must have known their stuff there, but they're worried. Once it's proven that all their history is wrong, all their books they've written will be thrown out and will be, and if they found stuff, they aren't going to show it. Uh, there are entrances. There are photographs that show the entrances. There's this hole at the top of the Sphinx on its head that actually goes into goes down into the lower level of the head and even lower into the body of the Sphinx. Uh, why should, why does it be why is it there? Uh, it goes down about uh, ten to eight feet and then it starts to go off into passages. 
They've never taken cameras down there, or they don't, or if they have, they don't want to show it. That's an interesting uh, statement. Uh, I don't know, folks. Uh, it's there's more to the Sphinx than anyone realizes, and I honestly think. After watching Ancient Aliens, doing a little bit of research for myself, looking at the erosion marks that are on there, I honestly think, you know, there was water running there. It has, the Sphinx and the pyramids have to have been there pre the last, you know, ice age 12,000 years ago. Has to be. And pre flood. There's just no way around it. If you guys have a comment or any thoughts, you could actually say something in the chat room that we have going, or you can call in to our show at 786-245-8127. Again, that's 786-245-8127. All right, that's one interesting article that I found that I want to point out. Other things in the news that really stood out to me. Um, I'm looking at this article from The Sun in England uh, where a treasure hunter claims he's found an alien spaceship while exploring ancient shipwrecks under the Bermuda Triangle. Okay, let's go through this. This is interesting to say the least. Uh, where do I begin? A treasure hunter has made an astonishing discovery in the depths of the Bermuda trial that he believes is evidence of aliens landing on Earth. Daryl Miklos used secret maps created by an ex-NASA astronaut pal, Gordon Cooper, to unearth shipwrecks in the briny deep. But during one of these trawls, intrepid explorer Daryl stumbled across a huge, mysterious structure that he thinks could change how we view our place in the universe forever. The huge, unidentified, submersible, quote-unquote, spaceship is covered in 15 unusual protrusions, which Daryl describes as unlike anything he's ever seen. Daryl, who will show off this otherworldly find on the Discovery Channel, show Cooper's treasure, told Mail Online, it was also something that was completely different from anything I've ever seen that was made by nature. The mystery object was found lying on the seabed near the Bahamas within the notorious Bermuda Triangle. It is the scene of countless – if you don't know about the Bermuda Triangle – oh, God, everybody listening to the show should know about it. But just in case, I'll recap. It's the scene of countless strange disappearances on planes and ships, attached to which are curious tales – that some discredit as myth, but others point to say that there's extraterrestrial or even paranormal happenings. The veteran diver Daryl made his mammoth discovery during a hunt for the wreck of English ships related to the 16th century Brit sea captain Sir Francis Drake. But using maps designed in the 60s by astronaut Cooper, Daryl detected more than 100 magnetic anomalies at an undisclosed location in the deep of the Caribbean waters. Obviously, he doesn't want to tell anybody where it is because he won't get all the glory. He claims Cooper gave him the detailed maps after he was diagnosed with Parkinson's before his death in 2004 at the age of 77. In the first season of the show, Miklos and his team used them to track down a centuries-old anchor thought to have come out of Christopher Columbus's ship. Cooper's map also led Miklos to dozens of other significant shipwrecks 
across the Caribbean worth millions. Now, here's an interesting question. If he found the anchor to Christopher Columbus' ship, does that mean Christopher Columbus's ship actually ended up in the Bermuda Triangle? Do we actually know whatever happened to the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria? Does anybody have any clue? Someone needs to Google that and look it up. Angel, could you look that up while we're ta- while I'm doing all the talking here? Yes, sir. I'm sure it's tasted you. great too, by the way. What you tasted the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria? Uh, well, they used to uh, be a heavy uh, booze drinker, yeah. Okay. Okay. There was something like liquor to me, I'm just saying. Okay, fine. Okay, liquor, lick him, whatever. Uh, describing his approach to the latest find, Daryl actually said, I was trying to identify shipwreck material based on one of the anomaly readings on Gordon's charts when I noticed something that stuck out and shocked me. We should be doing that dun dun dun. He said the object had the appearance of a battleship with a steep wall from which five protruding arms stick out like cannons. Using special breathing apparatus to reach the 300-foot depth quote-unquote spaceship, Darrell said he and his fellow divers noticed that it did not appear to be man-made. And the fact that it was covered in a thick coal suggested the object, if it landed there from beyond our planet, did so hundreds if not thousands of years ago, based on the buildup. Daryl also added, certainly nothing I've ever seen based on my experience, and I have years of experience at doing this. We've identified multiple different types of shipwreck material, and this does not look or match anything like that. Looking back at the Cooper charts, Daryl came across a puzzling note left by the former spaceman uh, at the site of the structure, in, and he actually quote-unquote on the map, unidentified object. Now, California Daryl wants to investigate the mysterious site further, despite the risk he faces of being dubbed an alien conspiracy theorist. Honestly, he wants to remain neutral until he can dig up more evidence on what the structure could be and is hoping to have a third series of his Discovery Channel commission to help tell that story. Hopefully, Daryl added uh, in quotation, I want to see what it is because it may be nature made, just a freak of nature. Who knows? But given the placement of this particular part of the Caribbean and given what Gordon has told me about visitors from another planet and the things that I've seen, I think it's definitely worthwhile investigating. Okay, I think that's an interesting article. Um, I love for someone to chime in and call in and give me their thoughts and views on it. Uh, again, our number is 786-245-8127. Again, 786-245-8127. Other interesting articles that have popped up that uh, got got my attention. Um, a NASA astronaut reveals spawning alien life organic objects floating near him on a space shuttle mission. Does this sound interesting to you folks? I think it does. An astronaut claimed that he once saw, only once though, saw alien-like organic object floating outside his space shuttle. Leland Melvin, 54, worked as an engineer aboard the shuttle Atlantis uh, when he spotted a translucent item while orbiting the Earth. Okay, first thing, right off the bat, translucent item. Are these the rods and the uh, glowing jellyfish-like space things that more than one person has spoken about? I don't know, but let's see where this article leads us. Down the rabbit hole we go. Uh, 
He admits that NASA said the incident was just a piece of ice breaking away from the vessel, but he didn't believe it. In a chat on Twitter with fans about his experiences in space, he was asked if he ever had a UFO, any, any experience with UFOs or aliens. Melvin revealed that he had seen something organic and alien-like in the payload bay of the shuttle when he was working with his colleague, Randy Brenesk. The astronaut said the object he saw was translucent, curved, and organic-looking, ending his tweet with an alien emoji. (laughs) Oh, God, I didn't even know they had alien emojis. He wrote, I have not seen a UFO in space or on the ground, but thought I saw something organic, alien-like, floating out of the payload bay. Randy Bresk and I called the ground to ask what it could be and was told that it was ice that had broken off of one of the Freon hoses. Okay, sure, we buy that. NASA always always tells us the truth. I think NASA really stands for never a straight answer, but that's my opinion. Uh, Melvin was then asked if he thought NASA had just told him to keep told him that to keep calm, and he replied, Hmm, I don't think so, but you never know. He added, I was about to say Houston, we have a problem, but no but knows everyone uh spins those up the hang on, let me rephrase that. I was about to say Houston, we have a problem, but now everyone spins up when those words are uttered from a space vehicle. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I think those are a little bit infamous. Uh, The Space Shuttle Atlantis flew 33 missions during its lifetime and was retired along along with the rest of the fleet in 2011. So um, no way to check that hose. All right, what else can I tell you guys that I've found interesting? Uh, Let's see. Hmm. I don't know. Is it almost time for a shameless plug? Angel, is it time yes. for a shameless plug? Do it. Okay. You okay, you it. have to do the shame. I I don't have a product to do a shameless plug with today. You have to give me a shameless plug before we get to the next section of our stuff. Well, I'll give you a shameless plug. Okay. This Sunday... The Roundtable Show will be live right here on PSN Radio, and we're going to have Mr. Cocuts, Jason, Justice on with us. We're going to have Zod Rider, Alpha, Johnny Alpha is going to be live with us, and we're going to be discussing Star Wars, the future, the past, the present, the disaster that <laughs> it is becoming. So hopefully everybody who's listening right now uh takes time this Sunday at 10 p.m. Eastern to join us on the Roundtable Show. And uh, listen live as we uh, discuss a little Star Wars for you. Shameless plug. Thank you for that shameless plug. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's jump back to some other interesting things that I found on the Internet about UFOs. UFO conspiracy theorist embraces shaky video taken at North Carolina's Lake Norman. This one's interesting. A video gaining traction on social media is suggesting a huge UFO was recently discovered, uh, spotted over North Carolina's Lake Norman, just north of Charlotte. The footage recorded on May 29th by Jason Swing shows a long, slender object hovering for more than two minutes over the man-made lake. Uh, Swing calmly calls the object a spacecraft in his video. Eh, well, I don't know. It has been raining all morning. Rain has finally stopped. And we went out to pick up a boat. Uh, when I came to the corner, I saw this thing still sitting very close. Swing's video went unnoticed for weeks, but gained attention last week after being featured in two British tabloids, including the Daily Star. 
video got even more publicity when it was picked up Thursday by YouTube video channel The Hidden Underbelly 2.0, a site that's focused on UFO and creature videos from around the world. Comments on Swing's videos posted to YouTube have ranged from mockery to support for UFO theory. Another possibility is that it was a blimp, which could explain the hovering uh, commenters say. The Goodyear blimp was reportedly in Charlotte area around May 29th for the NASCAR Coca-Cola 600, according to the Goodyear blimp's uh, tweet. Conspiracy theorists have suggested it might be also a secret military weapon of the U.S. Army, including an experimental anti-gravity spacecraft that hovers. Hang on a second. I'm going to scroll up and watch this video. Guys, you got to watch this with me. Uh, Angel, please tell me you put that link on the uh, website so that people can look at this. I sure did. Excellent. Thank you. Let's all look at it. Let's see. It's one one minute here. Uh, he's saying that this is a spacecraft. And he's talking really calmly and walking and trying to show something. And I'm trying to look at it. It's very far away so far. He hasn't zoomed in. Uh, the screen is a little shaky. I'm about 20 seconds into it, and I am not impressed with what I'm seeing so far. Um, I, 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 I want to be the, uh, you know, the I believe, I believe, but, you know, I just, yeah, I'm not there. Um, yeah, it's too far away for me to even tell what it is. Um, and he's not really zooming in either. Yeah, okay, we're going to, yeah, I can't tell, I don't know. I'm going to say I don't have enough information to make a decision. I just can't. Folks, if you're watching the video that we put on the uh, on our website, uh, do me a favor, call in, tell me what you think here, 786-245-8127. Again, 786-245-8127. Now, off to another article. Uh, Clarion Ledger, which is part of the USA Today Network, uh, had this article sent over to me. Alien, duct- alien abduction is what it's quoted as. 45 years after an alleged UFO encounter, Mississippi man breaks his silence. It was an event that had been that this guy's been reluctant to speak about, yet it shaped so much of his life. Calvin Parker, now of Moss Point, along with friend Charles Hickson, claimed they were abducted by aliens while fishing on the Pascagoula River, and now Parker has written a book uh, he hopes will set the record straight. The book title is Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter, uh, My Story, was recently published. It contains a first full account of the event given by Parker along with how it affected his life. It includes photos, documents, and newspaper articles written throughout the years. It also marks the first time a transcription of a hypnosis session with Parker has been published. Uh, Parker hopes it will clear the air. Um, It was October 11th of 1973. Hey, Angel, got a question. When was it that Travis was abducted? I'm just wondering if there's a, if it's close in time to uh, to this guy. Seventy-five, I believe. And what part of the country was that? Oklahoma, Snowflake, Arizona. Okay, thank you. 
Alright, yeah, definitely obviously not related in any way, shape, or form. There was a little bit of a distance there. Anyway, it, he says it was the 11th of October in 73. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a song summer of 69 for October of 73. Uh, we'd gotten off work that day, and a friend of mine and I, and he went fishing. Uh, the old abandoned shipyard, uh, they had a little pier out front, and we were on the pier. I'm going to guess it was about 6 o'clock in the evening. Uh, I had just started getting, it had just started getting dark, but it was kind of a bright moon. Wow, I'm really goofing this one up. Uh, Parker said he noticed a blue light reflecting off the water, and his final thought was uh, law enforcement officers have arrived to tell them uh, they were done fishing for the night they needed to leave the property. However, when Parker looked up, he realized the light was coming from a craft like nothing he'd ever seen. Uh, the big craft, uh, a big light came on, uh, out of the clouds, and it was a blinding light, is what he said. Um, it was hard to tell with the lights so bright, but it looked like it was shaped like a football, I would say, just estimating, uh, this is his quote, about 80 feet long and very little sound. It was just a hissing noise, like a football deflating. Ha <laughs> uh, that was Tom Brady. not his. <laughs> sure. Uh, then the situation became more surreal. Parker said three legless creatures floated from the craft. One had no neck with gray wrinkled skin. Another had a neck and appeared more feminine. Uh, Parker described their hands as being shaped like mittens or crab claws. Uh, when one of the creatures put on one of its claws on around his arm, Parker said he was terrified. But then another feeling came over his body. Uh, I think they had injected us with something to keep us calm. It was kind of a numb, and it, I was kind of numb, and I went along with the program. Oh wow! I'm trying to, I'm trying to grab, uh, folks. I'm trying to believe this here. Um, floating legless aliens. This is a totally, totally new category. Has anybody here ever had this description before? Has anybody, Angel, have you ever heard of this one before? Nope. Legless aliens? Nope. Okay. But it's different. Uh, it's alien. It's alien. Yeah, it's alien. Right. Uh, Parker said the creatures floated and he had, he and Hickson into the craft and performed physical examinations on the two. Then they were taken back to the bank of the river. Wow, that was just a really exciting story for this guy. Um, he wants us to buy the book, but he's telling the whole entire story here. Uh, Parker said he didn't want to tell anyone what had happened, but Hickson convinced him otherwise. The two contacted Kessler Air Force Base, but were told they should call the local authorities. So they contacted the Jackson County Sheriff's Office, and according to Parker, the two passed sobriety tests uh, as well as polygraph tests. Uh, Parker said he also passed the voice stress test. The ordeal seemed all but over, but for Parker, it was just the beginning. News spread worldwide, and according to the news reports, Hickson didn't shy away from the attention either. Uh, Parker, on the other hand, uh, didn't want it, and in the years that followed, he said he had changed jobs and relocated to other towns uh, every time people realized who he was. It was just something he didn't want to discuss. Uh, he's been going through this for 45 years as of this October. Uh, I never, I never wanted to talk about it, he says, or I want, I never wanted to talk about it or wanted 
to talk about it. What? Oh, I never talked about Oh, I see. I never talked about it or wanted to talk about it. Um, I have very few friends, but they're true friends. I've, they've never asked me about it, and I never talked about it. Uh, my family knows not to ever talk about it. After decades of largely not discussing the event, Parker began to change his mind after attending a funeral where he came into contact with people he had not seen in many years, and he felt they focused more attention on him than the deceased. I uh, signed the registry, he says, at the funeral, and people recognized the name. Out of respect to the family, I just left. Told my wife. Uh, my wife told me uh, on the way home, "You need to write about it." Uh, Parker considered what happened at the funeral, the years of speculation about what happened that night on the river, and its health. And eventually, he agreed. He felt like everyone deserves an explanation. Everyone has an expiration date, and I want to get this out before mine. I've had some near-death experiences, and I'm in bad health. I just needed to do it. For Parker, the book is likely a weight lifted off his shoulders. For friends and family and others interested uh, of, of his side of the story, it should be enlightening, to say the least. However, Parker said, there is some questions that may never be answered. I catch myself going fishing at night and look up and wonder where they came from, how far did they travel, and why do they have to take me? Interesting. Angel, what do you think about this story? Well, he gives a lot of information uh, for free, which is interesting. So, you know, that's always a plus. He's, you know, he's trying to sell, uh, you know, a book also, but I like the fact that he's giving you as much as possible for free and kind of like opening himself up a little bit. So it's, it's an interesting story, but it's a story. Right, it's just a story right now. Um, yes, he passed a lie detector test. Yes, he passed, you know, uh, stress tests. But you can believe something strong. You can believe in something strong enough that you'll pass these tests, whether they actually happened or not, is a whole other story. That is correct. Yep. So, anyway, let's see. What other things do we have going on in the world today? Uh, let's see. Uh, did I discuss? Uh, Paul Joseph Watson was secure, uh, secure team Tim was, uh, was threatened for talking about Alex Jones. Uh, mm. next level censorship. This is an interesting article. Yeah, you Let's haven't gotten, you, you hinted at that earlier, but you haven't got it to it yet. And I, and I think that's something we could definitely get a Oh, wow. That was, oh, that was censored. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, okay, yeah, I gotta find this article, folks. I found this really, really interesting. I just gotta find the article itself. No, uh. Oh! It was a video, and I now see a video that says, due to the request under the data protection law of Europe, we are no longer able to show one or more pages that from this site in our search results in response to some search queries for names and other personal identifiers. Okay, wow, that's actually fascinating that the video, talking about the video that talked about Alex Jones has been removed. 
I'm just like, what the hell? That's crazy. Okay. Let's see. Here's another article. Okay, this is a video that's 10 minutes long. I can't watch this. I'm looking for a news article as opposed to a news video on this, and I can't find it. Damn. Okay, I guess I'm going to have to skip that piece of news today. Uh, let's see. Well, we can, we, tell, we, we can talk about it, though. I mean, it's uh, uh, it, interesting censorship uh, that's yes. happening right now with uh, this whole Alex Jones InfoWars. And uh, this is just YouTube and, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, companies uh, showing their leftist, uh, leftist agenda at play here because... Uh, you know, of course, Alex Jones caters to the right, and uh, he is very friendly with the president. And uh, I personally believe that this is what's going on. They're, they're censoring him and censoring what I believe Alex well, Jones I don't, is I don't, I, don't, I don't know if he's really friends with the president. I mean, obviously, the, the president before he was the president has called into a show, but I'm assuming that's just for the votes. Or that was well, the friendly enough that to be you know considered in my book uh, a controversy. I guess that maybe they're going a little harder on him because of how supportive he's been in the past to the president. Uh, but if you look at Alex Jones, um, a lot of the stuff he, he's been he's been talking about over the years are starting to come to pass, and I'm just saying. You're right. It's a little scary. It's a little, little out there. But you know, you're right. It's it's happening. There's, you know, censorship is happening, um, but it's only censorship of the right. Correct. I mean, how much of this uh, do we need to take before we say, well, he has the freedom of speech, and to take him off all these platforms? really is going against, you know, one of uh, our birth... Now, I mean, he was born into it. Yeah, but what... Our yeah, but hang on, hang on. Rights. Hang on, I'm, I'm being the devil's advocate. What, you know, what qualifies as hate speech that should be censored? And what qualifies as freedom of speech? I mean, do you really consider a lot of what he does as hate speech? I think it's... I mean, no, I, I, actually don't. I don't think so, really. I mean, I, I don't think so. I mean, you know, I, I, I haven't, I haven't heard him saying that we should kill all the Mexicans coming over the border. But right. here's the funny part: it's not even Mexicans that are jumping the border. It's ex- Ecuadorians, El Salvadorians, Venezuelans that are running through Mexico to get here. Well, Most it, of the time, it's not. It's not even that. I mean, the president has never once said. Those darn Mexicans, they're, they're running the borders. Now, what he has said repeatedly, and this is where people get confused, and, and it, it, you know, it, it boggles my mind how stupid some people are. It really does. He has said repeatedly, illegals. Illegals. Exactly. Which, by the mere definition, means people that are breaking the law. Now, what That's happens right. when you break the law? Oh, speaking of the law, speaking of the law and illegals, did you hear there in California they're now going to allow illegal aliens to vote in the elections? 
Alright, I'm getting my gun right now. I'm shooting myself. That's it. I'm done. Oh, I, I'm just like, really? I mean, the hippie tree hugger California people that they are? I mean, really? Okay, so, and you know illegals are voting Democrat, right? Of course. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, the voter fraud is ridiculous out there. I honestly think we should go to paper ballots. Back to paper ballots, and you need to. You need to show photo ID in order to vote. Should be mandatory. Okay, plain and simple. Well, I mean, what do you no think? Questions. What do you think that uh, they want to have this influx of illegals right before the election uh, coming in, whether they're Muslims or whether they're Mexicans, Peruvians, whatever? Uh, the left wanted these people in the country because they wanted to. You know, fast track them to uh, whatever they can get that allows them to vote, and uh, make it so they can have their voting count a little bit higher. Because you know, the regular American citizens are uh, kind of like smelling the the poo they're leaving behind, and you know, we're catching on to a lot of the uh, nonsense that the left has been doing. And uh, you know, I look, I, I was a, a registered uh, Democrat for years. I left the party for a reason. I got tired of the it, nonsense. It, you know, it's, re- it's really funny. I've seen a couple of articles about how many African Americans are leaving the Democratic Party. Yep. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah, that's, that's dropping a bomb, to say the least. Uh, yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> Well, one thing I love about the president is he pointed that out, you know, immediately, like, when he was, you know, seeking the African-American uh, vote. He said, listen, you guys have been voting Democrat for, for how many decades? Uh, has your situation changed at all? I mean, has he, you know, we live in a what-have-you-done-for-me-now society. Well, what have uh, the Democrats done for you? Yeah, every every four to eight years or every time there's an election, they come out, they woo you, but then they leave you. So... You know, is the inner cities better? Is are the hoods better? You know, no. And when I say the hood, I'm not about where there really is poverty. And there's a hood in every city in America. And that's a sad statement. It should not be that way because most of these places are usually populated by African Americans and Latinos. And, you know, these are my people, personally. And, uh, you know, it should not be that way. You know, there should be no hoods in America. In America, it should be, you know, a place where we are all, you know, you know able to, to prosper and, and to have a, a chance. And, you know, there is a reason why they're not getting that chance. And I love the way Trump pointed out that, hey, you keep voting one direction, but... And I don't mean the band, by the way. But, you know, <laughs> they're not doing nothing for you. And we live in a what-have-you-done-for-me society right now. So, you know, it gives the other side a chance. And you know what? Unemployment's gone down in the black community. Uh, you know, jobs are up. You know, he's doing his end. So, that's always good. I get it. Yeah. I'm not arguing. You're right. You know, it's, you know, he's doing what he can to make things better. But you know, I don't know. I just, I just, I just want to vote none of the. I just wish it, there was like a third choice that we could all be happy with. That's all. 
Folks, if you have a thought or an opinion on this one, do me a favor. Give me a call, 786-245-8127. Again, that's 786-245-8127. Hey, we got a break here in about uh, 10 minutes, and uh, Walter Bosley is waiting on the line there. Uh, oh, he's already on the line? Well, yeah, he's waiting on Skype, and uh, we're ready to rock and roll here in about uh, at 55. I we're going to get him on the uh, on the Skype call. And, right. uh, yeah, he said he's winning in the wings, as they say. But, right. uh, we got another about 10 minutes before we go to break. And, uh, I'm gonna set the, uh, commercials up. We got some good ones. Ready to rock and roll tonight. Alright, I'm excited. So, when, we'll, we'll run commercials in about 10 minutes, I guess. Is that, is that the plan? Yes, sir. Alright. Sounds sounds good. Uh, any other major things happening in the news and the world of UFOs? Oh, um, did I discuss my trip to AlienCon uh, that I took in uh, June? I don't know if I discussed that in the show last time. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Well, I went to the AlienCon convention. Wow, was that an experience. I was only there for Sunday because I had another show in another part of California before that. But wow, was that a fun experience. Um, they AlienCon is doing another event in Maryland uh, sometime this year, towards the end of the year. I think I will actually convince them to give us a booth. And Angel, you should ask them to give that to us, please. I think that would be a very important thing for us I to I shall use my do. Jedi mind trick. I trust you to use your Jedi mind tricks for that. Thank you. As um, producer of Skywatchers Radio, I will be on that task. All right. I, I, I would so appreciate you taking care of that for me. Um, we should get at least two to three booths there. Um, oh, shame Now you course. ask for way too much. Well, no, no. I'll buy two booths to sell really cool UFO-related product in, and one booth will be our Skywatchers booth. And I will force you to. Oh, cool. Yes, yes, yes. Very cool. Um, you know, shameless product plug. Shameless product plug. Um, but I don't want to announce what the product is. It's really a cool product, but and everybody can use it. If you have a phone, a tablet, a gamepad, or whatnot. You will use this product. But I will shamelessly plug it starting next week because I'm waiting for uh, the website to be finished being built. But ooh, it's a cool product. Ooh, it's a cool product. That's all I'm going to say. So, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, the UFO convention that that was run by History Channel, AlienCon, in, uh, in June was actually really impressive. Uh, they had a great lineup of speakers. Um, I bumped into Alejandro there. He sends his best, by the way. Sorry it took so long for me to get to you, uh, to tell you, uh, you know, he sends his best. Uh, Sukalus was there. Childress was there. I mean, they, you know, Linda Mountain Howell, Kathleen Martin. I mean, it was an interesting event. Uh, they had great panel rooms. Uh, it was amazing to actually see, um, a theater that seats over 5,000 people filled to the brim, standing room only, for some of these discussions that they had on stage. Um, it was really amazing that that many people came out from the 
community that are interested in UFOs in California. I, I, I was really, really pleased with the turnout, to say the least. Um, the dealer's room was actually pretty decent. It wasn't spectacular. Apparently, the first Alien Con that they run in 2016 had three times the size of the dealer's room. But they also had three times the guest list and a whole bunch of other stuff. I think they overstretched themselves then. And I think they got it right this time, to tell you the truth. I honestly think so. Um, I am looking forward to their next show that they have coming up in a couple more months. And, uh, yeah, I, I was really, really uh, pleased with it. Hang on one second. Sorry, I'm hearing someone's phone ringing in the room here that I'm that I'm in right now. Oh, if I didn't tell everybody here, I am not broadcasting from my usual home base. I am on the road just finishing up the Wisconsin State Fair and finally heading home. I am in the middle of Michigan uh in the little town right off the highway. Um hopefully I will not get abducted by aliens here. And they won't be barging in on me uh, either. Uh, other than that, uh, I think it's almost time to go to a commercial, isn't it? Are we there yet? Mm, another uh, four minutes to do, Captain. Oh, you're going to make me run four more minutes. Okay. All right. So, folks, uh, we have this new format that we're planning on doing for our show, and uh, I guess I will ask for people's opinions uh, as they download and listen to this podcast later on. Um, obviously, we had our opening section where I banter around a little bit, describe who my game, my guests are for the show. Then we do a small little shameless plug. Uh, after that, as you heard me, I did this week in... UFO-related stuff and semi-not UFO-related stuff. I mean, is the Sphinx UFO-related? Maybe it's ancient aliens, maybe it's not, so I guess it's kind of sort of UFO-related. Um, then, of course, after that, I'm going to do another sarcastic one-minute plug. Uh, and then I've been throwing around a couple of ideas for other segments that we should put into the show in the first hour. Um, one of the things that I had thought about putting in is doing a recommended UFO-related movie, newer or older, or a TV show or a book uh, that we could talk about and, uh, you know, ask people, you know, to read or see or watch. Um, what do you think of that, Angel? I like them. Uh, mailbag is always uh, popular on these shows. You know, we had, of oh, course... Yeah. Uh, the blast. Pre- yeah, perhaps from the A-hole, but, you know, you're doing your own thing now, so if you want to have, like, a mailbag segment, that's cool. Okay. Do we have anything in the mailbag today, by the way? I have not checked the mail, but we'll check Go the check the mail. Yeah. Go check the mail right now while I give people the idea of some of the other things that I want to add in. Another segment I'd like to add in is uh, near-Earth objects that are due to come past us. Will it hit us or will it miss us? Um, speaking of which, someone had mentioned to me earlier this week that there was a meteor that hit uh, last week or two weeks ago in Greenland near the Air Force Base that had the same destructive uh, power of 200 kilotons of dynamite. I don't know how big that was, that is, but that sounds like it sure packed a wallop. 
Um, another article, another section that I want to put in is this week's Flat Earth Idiot. Um, I think we should start having a Flat Earth Believer on for five minutes to try and convince us the Earth is flat every single show. What do you think about that? I wouldn't call the segment Flat Earth Idiot if you actually want to attract. No, no, no. I got, I got. You're right. I got to think of a. I, I got to think of a better name. Or uh, how about Flat Earth? Convince me. We should call it that. How about that? I, I would just have a segment called "Convince the Main Guy," and it, it could be you know not just Flat Earth, but uh, all kinds of paranormal, ufology-based Flat Earth, Inner Earth. Um, okay. You know, Hollow Earth, whatever. I could do that. Absolutely. Yeah, that'll work. Um, let's see. Another thing I'd like to do, but it needs the audience participation, which is the, is it real or is it fake, analyzing a YouTube video. I like what that idea. Think? That's cool. But the question is, is how can people watch us Try and dissect it and analyze it. We're well, gonna have to run. Well, we could do a video feed later on on Facebook or, or YouTube or something. Uh, yeah, we could take care of that later. By right, the way, our good. Facebook page, since you knew about the link uh, for those who want to read the articles that you spoke about tonight, is facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio. So remember, everything's posted on there. All right, sounds good. Now I think we're at the uh, mark where we need to do a commercial break. And on the back side of that commercial break, we are going to have our guest, Walter Bosley. And we're going to be talking about the space, 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 forest, 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 forest. Imagine no and some other topics as well, too, I'm sure. Computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Elizabeth Taylor, Movie legend. We lost her too soon. Gone, but not forgotten. Now, you can own an authentic piece of movie history. Elizabeth Taylor's Ashes. In a small commemorative urn. Remember, remember. I want you to forget me, please. For just $29.95 plus shipping and handling, we'll send you an ounce of real superstar soot. Elizabeth Taylor, movie legend. You can have a piece of her forever. Command performances leave me quite cold. Call today. Hurry. Quantities are limited. Look! 
up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Here's a riddle for you. What do the California gold rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Greetings. My name is Spud Goodman, and I am, in fact, a talk show host. But the Spud Goodman Show is more than just a talk show. Spud and his temporary co-host, Gerald. It's temporary permanent co-host. Super. Interview celebrities. Welcome live musical guests. Present fascinating feature segments. And take calls from an assortment of unique callers. Should I laugh now? And you can catch the Spud Goodman Show Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on PSN Radio. That is messed up, yo. Everybody enjoyed those commercials and those shameless plugs. 
Uh, we're actually on the radio right now with Walter Bosley, uh, who is uh, almost world-renowned. It depends if it's a flat Earth, round Earth, or square Earth, but almost world-renowned uh, for a couple of different things. Uh, he's been a past investigator of historical occult mysteries, which I'm sure we'll get into, and an author of... Pulp fiction novels and obviously a screenwriter who's appeared on the History Channel's Ancient Aliens. Uh, I'm actually going to bring you in right now and start to talk to you about that. Uh, let's first tell me, define historical occult mysteries as opposed to general occult mysteries. Well, um, first, thanks for having me on. Uh, I... Oh, no, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to actually be on. With us. Well, I, I refer to um, what I've done mostly as historical occult mysteries uh, because of my um, trilogy of books, Empire of the Wheel. Um, okay. And those involved what I suspect, what I propose, were um, occult-themed, um, esoteric-themed serial murders. In the um, the autumn of 1915, in Southern California's San Bernardino Valley. Oh, so this is the occult murders before Hollywood was Hollywood, right? Using virgin sacrifices to make people famous in Hollywood. <laughs> I've, I've, some would say that, yes, yes. Although Hollywood, it was the days of the silence, of course. They were already working on the silent films. And uh, as a matter of fact... Do you know what the was, first silent film really was? I think it might have been um, a version of Frankenstein, or it was The Great <clears throat> Train Robbery. Wrong. It was might have been silent the film. Nope, the first silent film was actually porn. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> they had to prove people would watch it before they made real movies. That's that's interesting. How's that for interesting? Yeah, interesting choice there. They weren't well, wrong, I guess. Apparently not. You know, you know what really launched the VHS, you know, industry? Porn. Porn. Yeah. 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 But anyway, that's totally an esoteric cult thing, isn't it? Porn. It's an esoteric cult thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just a money maker. Okay, fine. Money maker, money shaker. All right. So, um, so in 1915, there was uh, some occult murders in the San Bernardino Valley. Um, yeah, I, I proposed this. Yeah, what there were oh. were seven questionable deaths. Um, three of them were pretty much obviously murders. And when you look closely at the details, you find all sorts of esoterica and, and occult symbolism just surrounding them, just flooding surrounding the whole all of them. Yeah, scenario. And as a matter of fact, I have uh, a few months ago, um, this trilogy, the Empire of the World trilogy, was optioned for development as a dramatic TV series, and it's being, um, you know... Can we, can, we say what, can we say what network? Well, no, that'll be the next phase is uh, um, when oh, I know what the network is. It. Yeah, the production company optioned it. They're um, writing the uh, the uh, pilot script Treatment. right now. 
And uh, well, no, the script. They're doing a full script, and they're doing oh, really? the series Bible and the whole thing. They're pretty oh, wow. committed. I'm excited about this. I, I okay. I've been when they send you money, even if it's not, time. even if it's a fairly modest sum, um, they're serious. And I got money pretty quickly. Not a whole lot. <laughs> Um, okay, now, can you tell me what production company? It's not the guys from Law. No, it's a, it's an no, it's an independent producer. And uh, what they do these days is they put together a company for the particular project um, oh. when they're they go from the independent producer status, but by, by uh, putting together a company to put together the particular oh. project, and um, that will be. Uh, I'll come back on when uh, it advances to the next stage. All right. Well, hey, good luck to you. Yeah. It, it takes Thank a you. lot to get things going on, you know, mm. nowadays. So, so how yeah. many others have you written screenplays in the past? I have. Uh, well, I've been writing. I've been writing scripts since uh, I was in college, um, and I wrote a particular screenplay about 13 years ago that ended up being produced five years ago in Canada. Oh. And um, it has since been uh, adapted to a pulp novel. I adapted it to a pulp novel, my novel uh, titled The Devil's Mill. And okay. um, so, uh, you know, there's that one. And I have come close three times. We're talking just centimeters away, three times with um, a script that I wrote from one of my novels, um, Secret of the Amazon Queen. Um, that, that's, that's a whole, you know, I could talk, tell you, talk for an hour about what happened, you know, how close that one's come. It almost got no, me no, in that's England. A, that's a whole nother show. For yeah, I won't, time. I won't do it now, but it just, it almost got made in England and twice with California producers, you know, came close. So, um, you know, and now of course, Empire of the Wheel, which essentially is being adapted from my nonfiction. So. Well, I'm going to have to talk to you offline about a, mm -hmm. a project that I have that needs a scriptwriter. Mm. In that case, I don't know how busy okay. you are nowadays. It it varies from week to week, but I'll gladly talk to you about it. <laughs> I totally understand the varying week to week thing because of what we do as, you know, between the show and what my normal life is like. I totally understand that. So, sidestep into a whole another topic but even though we're mm -hmm. staying on the tv thing mm -hmm. you were on the history channel's ancient aliens what was the yes. topic that you were discussing well they actually asked me to talk about something that i am not any kind of expert in <laughs> they had me um talk about warner von braun it was the warner von braun episode okay and it, you know he he has peripherally been a part of the things I've researched, but um, uh, Warner von Braun is not my thing, so to speak. So I had... You mean to, Nazis uh, are not your thing? Space um, Nazis, space Nazis. <laughs> uh, well, h historical Nazis, um, or, the, or I should say the group that um, influenced the people that created the Nazi party, but that goes back to my 19th century research in breakaway civilizations and things like that. Uh, speaking of breaking away civilizations, I just saw the trailer for Iron Sky 2. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen Iron Sky. Yes, yeah. Okay, where you have Nazis from space? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek, but uh, 
uh, it's a lot of fun. And the the uh, trailer for the second one looks like it's even a bigger hoot than the first Nazis one. in the Hollow Earth now. Mm-hmm. That got mm-hmm. in via got in via Antarctica. So I'm just like, yeah, okay, that covers all the conspiracy theories. This yeah, week. it should be fun. Uh, I got a funny feeling it will be it will be just as entertaining, if not more. But uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. But you know, well, like I said, you know, when, when they uh, uh, venture into some territory, it's uh, hinting at you the know truth. we we. Well, we have to admit that there's some stuff that's still purely speculative, and um, you know, we just have to say, "Hey, uh, let's have fun with this concept to get the idea out there to spark the discussion." And nothing wrong with that, uh, certainly. But I, I'm sure I'll watch Iron Sky too. I watched the first one, and it was fun, so I'll watch the next one. I enjoyed it, so I th- I, I think it would. I think it's going to be a a hoot is an understatement (laughs) so uh let's see so you're on the ancient aliens about warner von braun um was there something that you uncovered since i'm being told that you're also a private investigator licensed in california was there something that you uncovered Uh, about warner von braun yeah i mean no no no, they, they, uh, I was recommended by someone else who'd been on the show. Um, I've been personally, uh, acquainted with, uh, traveled with, hung out with, uh, David Hatcher Childress, who, oh, along okay. with he and Giorgio, are the two big, the main original stars of that show. Yep. And, um, so, you know, I've known a handful of those. I met Giorgio in 04. And, right. um, you know, so I've been acquainted with or known a handful of those guys that have been on that show for years. And so eventually somebody suggested that they put me on and they asked me to speak about Warner Von Braun and, and some just specific things that, you know, everybody's heard. I mean, regarding, did they give you cue cards or talking points or? They gave me talking just, points. They oh, gave okay. me talking points and wanted me to cover some certain things. And, uh, I did, uh, you know, I, I, of course I, you know, did my own homework just to make sure I was, up on, uh, you know, what they wanted me to answer and discuss, and and it was a good experience. I, I had a real nice uh, crew, and um, you know, I kind of like like their operation. So I I'd do it again if they ask me. <laughs> well, hopefully, someone from the show might be listening eventually or now. And well, they did ask me to be back trying. on, um, and uh, it usually take. They have asked me, I should say. Um, but a lot of times it takes months between the time they contact you and the time it actually happens. So when yeah. they are ready to have me back on, I'm, I'll gladly do it again. So excellent, excellent, excellent. So, um, you talked about Warner von Braun, but now you're really up and fluent and you're ready to talk about the biggest topic, uh, mm-hmm. that's semi political, semi not political. Mm-hmm. The Space Force. Yes. Tell me, tell tell me, what is your insight? What are your thoughts? What do you have to say about the Space Force that Trump is planning? Well, first, so that, you know, because there's probably folks in your audience that are wondering, who the heck is this guy and why would you be asking him about this? I'm um, a, I, I am an Air Force officer, uh, reserve officer, um, inactive 
I finished active duty in 99. Thank um, you for serving. Yeah, oh, sure. And uh, during my entire time on active duty, I was a special agent with the Air Force OSI. So what Ooh. this did was... Um, from when to uh, when? From... Uh, I was commissioned in the fall of 93. I became an agent in spring of 94. Oh, well past Blue Book. Okay. Yeah. And um, basically that work, I did counterintelligence, counterespionage operations pretty much um, all my entire time except the first half a year. Um, and that exposed me to, I, I had to do program protection type of uh, investigative and operational activity. And, okay, I got uh, to stop you and ask you a question then. Um, for the first year and a half, what did you do? And did they tap you to go into OSI or you chose to go into OSI? No, no, no. For the first half a year, I wasn't doing, I, I was doing counterintelligence and counterespionage for all but the first probably six months that I was now, an agent. How did you get steered into doing that? I mean, wh what were you oh, doing? I, I, I started, college studies or, oh, I okay. mean, how, you know, I'm, I'm trying to understand. How mm -hmm. do you get into, you know, you joined the Air Force and suddenly after six months you're doing that. What was the prior? No, I, uh, let, steered you there? Let me... Um, let me go back because so, sorry, I, 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 I'm trying to understand. I always find this fascinating as to um, you know how things lead up to where you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry. Um, no, I was an OSI agent my entire time on active duty. I didn't go into the Air Force and then decide to. Um, how how I became an agent for OSI goes back to when I got out of college. I had an uncle who kind of took me under his wing. And he had, uh, by the time he retired in the late 90s, around 2000, um, he had had uh, 44 years in the intelligence community. So when I got out of college, um, he kind of took me under his wing. And I first went to work for the FBI. And for almost six years, I was um, working for the FBI. And I spent most of that time as um, a, a, an operational specialist. Now, that's not a title. At first, I was what they call an investigative specialist, and I worked okay. under I worked under shallow cover um, on physical surveillance, uh, basically tailing surveilling um, uh, foreign intelligence officers, most of the time Russians, on occasion Chinese. And then after I did that in San Francisco for a little while, I um, was then sent to Russian language training, and after that, I went and I became a language. I became a language specialist, and I listened to wiretap conversations of Russian agents, and you know, uh, translated and reported on what they were talking about. So I left the FBI because at the time they just they, they kind of had a hiring freeze on agent positions, and. I went and talked to the Air okay. Force, and, and because of my FBI experience, the Air Force immediately wanted to put me into the Air Force OSI. So I'm what you call—I was what you call a direct, um, direct acquisition or whatever. Um, I went into officer training school already knowing that I was going to be 
um, put through OSI training. I, in fact, I already knew, which is rare, but I already knew what my assignment would be, my first base. I knew that I would be going to Los Angeles because the detachment commander there had called me before I even went to OTS to ask me if I wanted to come there. I said, yeah. So I reported to OTS, you know, made it through officer training school, which Air Force, that's not a big, you know, that's not that hard. And uh, I went to agent training. And um, I did that for about six years. And when I came off active duty, I went into um, counterterrorism consulting and, and operational support and did that around the world for, again, about another six years before okay. I left the national security community in uh, profession in uh, around 2006. That's All right. essentially my career in that. Okay. Now, um, the Air Force time, uh, during my Air Force active duty time as an OSI agent, uh, my work involved um, classified material on a daily basis. Um, uh, uh, program protection was a little bit involved there. And, um, you know, so I got exposed to advanced Air Force technology and things like that. So... That's where my insight comes from, being an Air Force officer, of course, being an OSI agent, but also being exposed to the technology that, you know, we have had, you know, at least up until the time I got out of the Air Force, um, you know, in 99. And then I've right. augmented my speculations and opinions that we're going to talk about. I've augmented that, of course, with my own research and my books and you know, things like that. So just for just so the audience knows, you know, where I'm coming from, who I am. Tell us about your views on the Space Force. Okay. Now, this is, again, I'm one of these guys who um, I'm not a whistleblower, okay? Um, Are I, you a Trump I, supporter? I know we should I, talk politics, I know. Uh, you know what? I don't go there. Okay. I don't like to say who who I supported, who I didn't. Um, you know, you might be able to figure out where I stand, you know, based on, you know, you can, if you combine background and you look at stuff I write and things I do, you might be able to figure that stuff out. But I, I just, I don't like to, uh, I don't like to go there myself, but, um, uh, I'm not one of these whistleblowers. In fact, I can't stand the whole whistleblower theme in this field of alternative, uh, research right now because I, I think it's much more detriment. There's not uh, there's not one of them that has been pointed out to me or that I see being pushed that seems to have any credibility. So I'm not one of those guys. I'm not telling you this stuff because I was in the Space Force and now I'm spilling some beans. What I am is what I said. I am a, a former, you know, an Air Force officer no longer on active duty and blah, blah, so forth, what I laid out a few moments ago. It right. is my speculation um, based on personal experience, you know, with the Air Force and what I did, plus research, that um, the Space Force that's being talked about now, um, in my opinion, we have had a secret space program, manned, you know, um, uh -huh. program, since um, the late 40s. And going into the 1950s, um, okay. it's my opinion that uh, the big secret to Roswell is that it was the first American attempt at manned space travel. And, of course, it, it on return, 
they had, you know, a, a, a failure and, you know, it, it killed the crew. And that's my personal opinion of, of what the big secret of Roswell actually is that they're trying to hide. That it, I, I have not for a long time believed it was any kind of extraterrestrial event. Can but they, you uh, believe it extraterrestrials visiting us? Can, can sure. I chime in real quick? Yeah, can, can I chime in real quick? I just want to sure. drop in one uh, piece of information that goes exactly along what you're saying, Walter. Um, and this has been part of you know my belief for a long time that it, it, it's all a pattern. We won the war. We inherited the scientists from Nazi Germany, Werner von uh-huh. Braun, and all these folks. Uh, Tesla yes. died. We went to a space program, a secret space pro- program. In '47, we had the first crossover Nazi UFO technology mixed with American Tesla technology. Mm-hmm. Perhaps other technologies that were more, uh, you know, uh, fringe that the Nazis mm-hmm. might have been con- in connection with. And the test flight on reentry is what crashed at Roswell. What kind of connects? That's been my theory for many, many, many years. Um, what mm-hmm. are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, basically, that kind of um, is congruent with you know where my my theory is. Uh, personally, I um, uh, I don't buy into the Nazi UFO story. When you really dig into the history of the origin of that, it is very much a post-war legend that was created. The Nazi created bell, that. the Hanabu you're talking no, about? No, no, no. Well, the bell, um, they were, yeah, I'm convinced they were doing. The Hanabu is fantasy, okay? Um, the stuff well, you see that gets touted as alleged evidence of the Hanabu, it ain't. Um, when you look closely, um, it's it's not credible. Uh, well, whether so, they had Nazi UFOs or not, it's really irrelevant. They had von der Van Braun and the, uh, all these geniuses that we inherited right around that right. time period. And, oh, so, yeah, I mean, exactly. That's exactly. Really yeah. the, the gist was, of it. Uh, and, and Paperclip, in my opinion, um, was a little more sinister even than just inheriting their their Nazis. Um, again, that's a whole other conversation. But uh, essentially, yeah, I, I think your basic view is you know, basically congruent with the main points of where I stand on this, that um, when you look at the history of aviation in the United States and in Germany, what was going on dating back to the 20s and the 30s was that you had Colonel Harry Armstrong in the United States who, you know, in the 30s was already thinking about man in space, okay? And his successor, Otis Benson, who um, was Army Air Corps, and then when the Air Force stood up in, uh, officially in 1948, he was the commander of the Aviation Medicine uh, Command Division. Uh, and it was really the guys in aviation medicine who drove putting um, Americans in space because it was the German aviation medicine experts who were already working on these issues. And the guys we got, from Germany were very much into this. So here's what you had in 1947. You had these German scientists who were all for, and, and for decades had been dreaming about putting man in space. You had the Army Air Corps guys that were the main guys driving Operation Paperclip to begin with on the American side. You had them for decades um, wanting to put man in space. And from the 1920s and 30s, they had admired each other from across the Atlantic. 
And then, so you have the American guys who want to put man in space. You got the German guys who want to put man in space, right? You have Werner von Braun and the other rocket scientists, so they can create the means to get there. And the United States was throwing money at them. So they had the means and the desire and they had the secrecy because at the time, you know, out there, Roswell and White Sands and all that was, you know, in the middle of nowhere. So it is my opinion that even though they weren't sanctioned from above, put man in space, what I think they did was I think it was something they tried on their own. And because of the tragic crash, um, it was one of those things where it's like, wow, we put them in space. You know, oh, it worked. Okay, let's pursue this. But damn, you guys did not get, you know, this was not this was not something you ordered from above to do. It's just something you kind of did. And um, it worked, but it didn't. So I think that is the big secret of Roswell that they're hiding. Now, what did that lead to? What they learned from that in 1947 led to them continuing to pursue it through the 50s. Now, we have to remember in the United States, the manned space program was owned by the U.S. Air Force through the 50s. Okay, The Mercury program that the movie The Right Stuff is about, the astronauts in the silver suits and the little black capsule, Okay, that originally was all designed by the United States Air Force for the original Air Force Mercury program. It was not until late in 1958, when everything had pretty much been designed already for Mercury, that the government stood NASA up, okay, as the public civilian space program, and, you know, handed the a civilian uh, a brand or version, I should say, a civilian version of this military Air Force Mercury program, handed that to NASA. Now, from there, we're told historically that the Air Force was out of the putting man in space business, and it was all NASA. I argue, and I think history points to and argues, that that's nonsense. I argue that the Air Force continued, um, and eventually along with the U.S. Navy, but the Air Force, the DOD, continued with a manned space program. They just put it, you know, under the surface. They just made it deeply classified in 1950. When NASA was stood up, so what do so this leads into what I think about? Okay, the level of technology, the secret space program. What I tell people is, look at what NASA was doing from the late fifties through the sixties and seventies, and basically, it's my opinion that the military, what they were doing, was virtually identical. You know, with maybe some little things here and there that made it classified, like maybe putting weapons systems in there whatever but as far as the craft and the the technology and the spacesuits and all that it looked just like what nasa was doing um most likely and then by the time you got into the 70s i think that was the beginning of you know what this proposed dod um uh parallel program in my opinion that's when it would have begun to pull just a little ahead so that brings us to today where you know, Trump has announced a space force, which, by the way, I'm all for. I'm not one of these people who thinks this is evil that we've had a secret space program and that it's evil that we're or by no means a waste of anything to announce a space force. I, I'm all for it. Um, uh, so 
But here we are today, and they're announcing this, in my opinion, for whatever reason, maybe just because it's time, we don't know the reason, but for whatever reason, it's time to maybe, you know, start, rather than revealing what we've had, it might just be time that, okay, now we want to publicly say our military has a, a, a true space force. Okay, and Mike Pence said something the other day that had a lot of people excited and it piqued my curiosity. He made some comment about and we won't be starting from scratch. What does that say to you? What that says to me is, (laughs) of course, we won't be starting from scratch because we've had this the secret manned space program of the militaries all along again, in in my opinion. I I, got to throw out a question here. Mm -hmm. Um. In the 80s, when Reagan actually said that we actually have the technology to take E.T. back to the stars, and it won't take thousands of years or even ben, hundreds of years. Ben Rich actually said that, I believe. Ben Rich of Skunk Works. I could have sworn I saw a video of Ronald Reagan saying that in his own voice in front of the U.N. Um, perhaps. Uh, um, um, I... I I've heard of that. Um, what I think he yeah, said, I, what I thought he said at the UN was the, um, the imagine threat. if the world, yeah, the, the whole threat speech. You know, right. imagine if we had a threat and we had to come together. I, I, I'm pretty sure that he said that in front of the UN, but Correct. I think that we have the means to take ET home. That was Ben Rich. But either way, your, your point is the same. My question is, is was it the secret space program or NASA he was talking about? And there's another quote from his memoirs uh, somewhere in like page 190 or something that he had just had a meeting with the Security Council about one of the space shuttles that has the ability mm-hmm. to carry 300 plus people sure. in space for six yeah. months. Yeah, that would be an example of what I was saying, how, um, you know, look at the public program, and by the 70s and 80s, what the secret program would have would have begun to start pulling ahead. That's exactly, you bring up a very good point. That's an example of what I'm talking about. Our public shuttles carried a crew of four or five, maybe seven, I think, um, and they'd go up there and they'd do their little pickup truck in space and they float around in orbit. And, oh, look, we're opening the doors. Oh, look at us. Put a satellite up there. Isn't this exciting? Um, where, and, and meanwhile, the military would have a shuttle that can take 300, you know, folks up there. It, it, right. it would be, it would look probably, a, you know, very similar to our shuttles, but not exactly. And, you know, of course, it'd be bigger. You know, possibly that kind of thing. But it would not. Seven forty-seven size shuttle. Yeah. But here's the question: mm-hmm. With the amount of rocket power, you need to. We needed to get the traditional shuttles that NASA had mm-hmm. off the ground. God only knows how much power mm-hmm. you would have needed. To right. get one of those three hundred guys, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, this goes back to the theory that, um, which dates back to the whole thing about the Nazis and the Bell and what they brought of the Bell to the United to the United States and how far the United States was toying with that and the possibility that this and this AG uh, Bell technology, the Bell, not the Bell Company, but the Bell. 
um, was possibly used in the Apollo program to assist with liftoff. You know, there's that whole discussion. So that that could answer the question, how do you get a ship off the ground, a shuttle off the ground with 300 fully equipped, you know, personnel, you know, in that payload bay uh, or in those seats? Um, right. There you go. It would be some other type of technology than traditional rocket technology. But but, we have to we have to acknowledge we have to acknowledge when we're talking about this possibility of these other technologies um, the fact that we have continued to use rockets okay and right. why would we have continued you know to use rockets um, you know people that would would be skeptical of what we're proposing here people that would you know the naysayers you know they have a legitimate point when they bring up well how come we're still using all these these rockets and there are answers to that, but it, it, we have to acknowledge that that is an issue that, you know, must be addressed. All right. Now, let me ask you, when you were working with compartmentalized and, uh, in all sorts of, uh, classified information in, you know, the OSI, did any of this come? I don't know if you're bound by secrecy acts. Um, <laughs> any of these, types of large ship information come past you. Uh, another good question would be is, do, do you think these types of ships have anything to do with what Gary McKinnon said he saw when he hacked into the computers that were out there? Yeah. Ah, good. This is good you bring this up. Um, first of all, as far as what can be discussed and what can't, um, when you've been in the U.S. military, the U.S. government, okay, and you've been exposed to classified and you sign on that paper and the non-disclosure stuff, um, contrary to what some uh, some people think out there, the United States does not have any kind of automatic declassification um, regulation. Like England, after so many years, things have to be declassified and made public. The United States does not have that. Once something is classified in the United States, it can remain classified forever until a, an authority decides when and how much and if if it will be declassified. So therefore, um, uh, you can never talk about the classified things, even if it was years before, you know, until you're told you can. So uh, whereas okay. I can't discuss the details, um, uh can you hint at anything then? Well, what I can say is, <laughs> what I can, what I can tell you is this. Here's what, you know, there's, there's some folks out there that talk about a secret space program being something like Starfleet with these amazingly huge and, uh, advanced sleek starships and all this ridiculous stuff. And notice I use the word ridiculous because that is a ridiculous notion. And, you know, anybody that says our, U.S. military secret space program would have that. They're just, they're basically a circus sideshow huckster, okay? <laughs> um, they're selling BS. Here's right. what, here's what I think. Here's what I propose. Our secret space program, it's most advanced, let's call it an, an interplanetary vessel, or let's call it a solar system vessel, whatever. It probably would look very much like one of our naval submarines. Okay, 
I'm not the first that guy to say like this. That sounds like Solar Warden to me. It sounds like Solar Warden, of course, but that doesn't mean, you know, everything we hear and it gets talked about Solar Warden is accurate, remember. But yes, it, it would be something like a, uh, more like a naval submarine than the Starship Enterprise, okay? Do you think there's more than one program? No, I think that um, as rich as the United States is and you know the amount of money it has access to <coughs> excuse me i think there is a dod classified manned space program that is primarily run by air force and navy personnel now they they uh, they probably you know they there's probably some army personnel and of course if the navy's in there there's some marine personnel that are attached to this you know that do whatever it is you know they're doing in this but i also think uh, that the actual full time i'm in the secret space pro military space program uh full time active duty uh personnel probably only numbers about 9 or 10,000 okay if if that um do you think I, any I, other military powers in the world have their own secret space program or a joint program with us well I don't know if they have a joint program with us. Um, uh, I don't know to, to what extent. I can't speak to, but, you know, look at the powers. Look at, you know, Russia. Look at China. Look at, um, you know, uh, Europe, you know, between France and, and England. Um, I, I would say how it works is this. Um, there, There's probably not that many. Not every country has one. Probably what it is, for example, speaking to the what I think would be the American one, is that our closest allies, their their personnel, ride with us. I think. Okay. It, it, this and again, this is speculation, folks. I'm not going to be out there trying to tell you that I know the truth. And you know, I admit that you know that this is speculation. All right. All right, I'll, I'll, we'll we'll speculate right now. I, it mm -hmm. sounds like you're lighting up right now. What? I don't know. I I, I it sounds like. Oh, a I'm sorry. I, ner nervous habit. It's my Zippo, my Green Dragon <laughs> Zippo. I'm just sitting there clicking it. I I'm I'm down to one last Cohiba cigar, and I'm not going to smoke that while I'm talking with you guys. <laughs> Cohiba. Oh, I am so jealous. Um, it was a gift, believe me. <laughs> All right, all right. So now, with the my personal opinion, with the uh, when it comes to Trump's space forces, here is uh -huh. my biggest fear. Mm -hmm. As we all know, there are multiple, multiple levels of top secret above and beyond the presidential clearance. Uh, how do you know that? It's been talked about, and actually been talked about at length at times because by you know, whom and in what context i can't pull up the reference right ah, now. in our basically in our in our field in our community of alternative research is where it's mostly been talked about see i'm i gotta tell you i gotta admit the idea that the president doesn't get briefed on something because it's beyond his level is one of the most ridiculous again i'm that word comes back up 
things that gets bandied about in our in our community. He walked um, right I, into that one, by the way. Well, hang, hang on. Right hang, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, mean, I saw that coming a mile away, but I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Now, a president is only a four- or eight-year worker in that so? capacity. Oh, come on. But he's the okay. president of the United States. He's the top guy. I mean... <laughs> The buck doesn't always stop with him. Uh, look, he's still, the, he or someday she, it's still, it, you know, it's not like he's the, uh, you know, the chief postmaster or, you know, the chief mail clerk, you know, passing out the mail, you know, in the office. No, but come it, on. No, come on, but it is possible that he no, it's not possible. everything. No, that is, I, I, my personal opinion on that. Is that that's BS? That that started getting talked about, you know, whatever how many years back when I mean, somebody career would, military men that really. have been in the same position or upgrading their positions twenty years, thirty years, forty right. years, right? Probably privy to more information than the president has in certain aspects. Uh, it, okay, now listen to what you said there. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. If some guy has been in for 20, 30 or 40 years, yeah, right. he's probably been exposed to more things over the years. Okay. That is not at all the same thing as therefore he's cleared beyond or uh, is cleared to learn more or know more than any president of the U.S., Okay, that and people mislead themselves with that idea. Okay, that okay. that guy who's been in 20, 30, 40 years, um, if he ain't the president, sorry, there's stuff the president is going to know that that guy in 20, 30, 40 years will never be told. Oh, I on agree. a much higher but level. I, so I agree, the, the, but I the, also the, think that that people, you know, that some people in certain positions are not obligated to tell the president everything. And they don't uh, need remember, to guys, if, if there's well, there such a thing as the shadow government... Uh, hold, hold on, what, what do you base this anything. on? Is this an Okay, you did say you think, so that's an opinion then, right? Yes, it's, it, it's, it's okay. a gut feeling or an opinion. Okay, well, the reality argues against that. But My that's... Big, Okay, I get it. Another conversation. True enough. It's not, it would it, take longer than this, is what I mean. You know? my, my my concern is is that I really feel that the reason uh, this he's putting together the Space Force now, and I think he's not fully aware of the secret space program. And <laughs> some, okay. And, you, you, and, you, okay, go ahead. No, and he somehow was made aware of a threat beyond this planet, which is why he's forming the space program, the uh, space force. I, I think, would disagree I th with you. Okay. Then what, what do you think triggered his want and desire for a space force? I think, you know, during, it, it just so happens that, okay, a couple of possibilities here. Okay. It was just part of the long-term vision that he would have been briefed on when he assumes, you know, the, the presidency, okay? It's like, sir, this is what we have. Isn't this interesting? And this was the plan um, to eventually bring this public, um, and here's the reasons, 
And hey, you know, lucky you, you're the president, you're the guy who got elected at the time, you know, we suggest we do this. Or, or there is some pressing reason for, hey, let's just go ahead and make this public. Now that could be something that has been discovered out there or something that has been communicated with out there. I got a fair reason for you. Uh, just my theory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pure ego. And this is why I say this. Uh, he wants to make America great again. And when was America considered great? During the space rush. You know, when Kennedy said, we're going to take man to the moon and beyond. That's a horrible accent, I understand. I'm sorry, my throat's bad. Yes, it is. But, you know, I think he is trying to kind of get, get to those sentiments of what America was seen as this great force in the world where we could achieve the unachievable, conquer okay. things like space. And this is, in a sense, his way of kind of reaching back to that time and era and so he could be seen as the president that brought forth the future in space conquest and he brought forth this Space Force. And it's a pure ego thing. It's just his way of kind of like, you know, keep going with this, let's make America great again. Mm-hmm. My take, that's all. Uh, okay, I, I I just, I think if you were to look closer and really dig into things, you would find that the reality is a lot more complex than something like that. Um, I, as far as this particular president um not being aware of the secret space program. Here's an interesting thing. Um, I've written a, a, a blog essay on this a couple years ago um, about Donald Trump's uncle, the one who, you know, everybody's been talking about it, or it's been talked about occasionally, where his uncle was the guy who the FBI requested to go look at Tesla's, you know, uh, private papers when Tesla died. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, um, Donald was very close to his uncle, John. Now we also know that nobody runs for president, that they don't have, you know, somebody behind them, you know, backing them up. Here's my simplistic view of this is, you know, you have these people running for president and each one of them has their particular mafia, whatever that is behind them. And these mafias are looking at each other across the room, too, saying, this is our guy. That's your guy. Um, I think when Trump ran, whoever his mafia is, whoever his support you know, group is, I think they got the serious attention of whatever group backs both the Clinton and whatever group backs the Bush machines. Because, you know, not to get into the, I don't want to get into politics. We're talking about this in the context of what Trump might know. Um, it, it, it's, I think Trump, because of this thing with his uncle and because of all the things associated with that and what it implies with Tesla and this stuff and what his uncle did, his uncle was an engineer, um, it's possible that Donald might have been a little more aware than the average person that the U.S. military had something going as far as a classified space program, even if it was just a vague intimation via his uncle. Because remember, you know, he was born in and grew up in 
you know, that, that formation of the military industrial complex era and on and on and so forth. So, um, it's possible that he wasn't entirely ignorant of that. But again, going back to the reality of these things, uh, things are a little more complex and complicated than just he gets in there and it's like, I think it would be cool to have a, a space force. Uh, you know, it, it's, I just think it's something that's probably been in the works and Sounds it's time cool. to go public with it. Hmm. Interesting. Sounds when cool. I say in the works, yeah. I mean the the revelation of it, the bringing the space, the secret space program public. Now, there would still be classified operations, but, you know, like I said, I think we've had a secret space program since, you know, after World War II, since the 50s. Um, I think for whatever reason, it looks like they want to make it public now. And what I find interesting are the reasons, you know, like... Uh, I, I laid out the one particular reason. What has happened out there that might be driving this now, public revelation? Isn't that, you know, when you said 50s and 60s, that, that's around the mm-hmm. time that Warner Van Braun uh, is in the, where he yeah. left NASA. And yeah. some say he went and is the person who created the secret space program, you know, behind NASA's uh, back. He, you, we can't give. A lot of times people want to give Von Braun way too much credit for way too much. Um, he definitely was a very, very important player. But, um, uh, you know, it was the, it was a bunch, uh, it was a, a particular, it was a number of these German guys. Well, he died shortly after that, didn't he? I mean, he didn't live much He died in the 70s. Yeah. I think the late 70s, early 80s, 82, maybe. Someone, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Don't get me wrong. He was, you know, involved in in this, but he he wasn't like just the sole wizard mastermind that made all this happen. Um, he, uh, you know, he was the the lead German genius that we uh, we brought over. But believe me, we had our own guys that were pretty smart and ingenious themselves, and there were other Germans as well that were pretty smart and ingenious that had been working on this for. You know, a couple of decades by the time World War II happened and ended. So, like I said, just all you bring all these like-minded guys together in the right place at the, the the same place at the same time with the right money and means. And what do you think is going to happen? Of course, the rocket guys are going to say, "Look, we've built this rocket craft thing that can go up in space." And then the aviation medicine guys go, "Well, look what we've done. We've created." Um, the means to keep uh, a, a pilot alive at, uh, at really high altitudes and in space. Golly, guys, what do you think we should do? You think maybe we should put a crew of guys in our craft and take man into space? Yeah, I think that's what happened. And I think that's personally, I'm, I think that um, I very strongly think that that's what the secret of Roswell actually is. Hmm. Interesting. This is actually as good of uh, an answer as anything the government's given us over the last 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're given all these ridiculous things. And and again, the ET people, the ET hypothesis people, are hating me right now. That damn Bosley, I hate this guy. I hate when he says that. Um, I am not anti-ET. Okay, my problem with the ET hypothesis crowd is 
they want to have ET be the answer for way more than they should, than it, than it could possibly be. And I get that. That's their enthusiasm. That's the thing that turns them on. Depending upon how old they are, they're all, they're either, you know, imagining that they're Richard Dreyfus in Close Encounters or they're <laughs> Elliot and E.T. and they're going to be the one who gets taken, you know, and, and that's their fantasy, you know, some of these They want to feel, they want to be that special person. They want to be that special person. Um, but my thing is, of course I think E.T.'s are out there. I'm convinced they are. Um, I think it's illogical to assume or to question whether they're, you know, they're out there or not. And I'll take it further. Yes, of course I think they've come here in the past and I think they still come here. Um, I have no problem with that. Um, the problem I have is when they want to uh, just slap the ET hypothesis label on everything. Um, and how dare you question it? Uh, they have but ruled. goes, it must be aliens. Yeah, exactly. They have ruled ufology and, you know, the UFO uh, uh, research community for way too long. Okay. And, um, they, you know, they've been in recent years very, very resistant to any other possible explanation. Um, I think in that, in a lot of cases, it's because, you know, they got that spotlight, they got the mic, they got the stage, they, they don't want to give it up that easy. Um, but, uh, you know, there are other possibilities that really should be considered by people. Um, and I, I'll tell you, I admit that the stuff I throw out there, it's speculation based on research, you know, based on, you know, I think, you know, at least some learned experience with some things, um, but also research. And I readily admit when I'm speculating, a lot of the folks don't do that. Unfortunately, so that's how we end up with, you know, oh, the president doesn't get briefed on everything about aliens and ETs, which, you know, after I after I get up from the floor laughing my ass off, you know, about that idea, you know, then I try to at least get the idea out there that why that's just not that's not realistic. And I know so I know there's guys out there that claim to and they might have been. In the military, they might have been in the intelligence community, um, and claim that oh, that's true, that's true. Um, shame on them, because um, you know they know that's not true, but they say <laughs> that kind of stuff to get attention. You know, because right. you know they need the attention. They crave it. They want it. Uh, maybe they need to make a buck because they've retired, and that's not enough. Um, but a lot of it is attention because the people in the community are all too willing to, you know, give someone who tells them what they want to hear um, all the attention that they can, you know, give right. them. Well, well it, it, it's good to know. And, I, you know, I appreciate you giving us your perspective and your mm -hmm. your view on these things. Um, I, I want to have you on again to okay. continue this, and I'll try not to beat you up too much about <laughs> some things. I don't uh, think we, anybody did any beating up. No, 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 no. But I'll beat you up next time. No, <laughs> it, it, it all seriousness, though. Um, yeah, I definitely want to have you back on in the next couple of weeks. By the way, are you going to be appearing anywhere? Are we going to see you on Ancient Aliens? Are you speaking anywhere soon? What should we know about you? Ha what do you have coming up that you could talk about uh, before we call this a end of show? 
Well, um, uh, of course, short of having a real big announcement, you know, when I know what's going to happen with the Empire of the World TV show, um, that that would be big. But short of that, because that's still being developed, um, this weekend on uh, Friday evening and on Sunday afternoon, I'm uh, appearing at what's called the 5D event at the Sheraton Gateway at LAX, and I'll be talking about my secret missions uh, books, uh, my secret missions research about historical explorers and figures that I think were um, uh, secretly looking for the uh, lost technology of forgotten ancient civilizations. And um, that's, a, that's another series of books I have. And, um, uh, of course, my books are available um, print-on-demand only at lulu.com. I used to be on Amazon, but I'm not anymore because Amazon is not good to small press publishers or independent authors. So I pulled all my books from Kindle. Um, but, uh, you know, you got to wait a few days for the book to print, but Lulu does an excellent job. It's worth the wait to get that printed book. Um, the books are all discounted there, of course. I have the Walter Bosley channel at YouTube. I do go through periods where, you know, I go a few weeks sometimes without posting anything, but I don't claim to be a daily or weekly stream or feed like a lot okay. of other stuff is out there. Okay, we will hold that against you. Don't worry. Um, and empirethewheel.blogspot.com. You can see, you know, again, some of my stuff. If you want to see my daily commentary on the kinds of things we're talking about, um, look at my Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Find me on Twitter and uh, Facebook. I'm I'm commenting just about daily on these things because that's easy. It's quick. Um, and especially as I am now researching, you know, for a new book that I'm writing, uh, it's just easier and quicker for me to jump on and address things quickly. So mostly Twitter and Facebook, but... Walter Bosley channel at YouTube and EmpireTheWood.blogspot.com and Lulu.com for the books. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, I think we you plugged yourself there quite yeah, well. Heavily. Hopefully, folks, you guys have <laughs> jotted some of this down. If not, you can download a copy of this show that we've just done uh, tomorrow on SkywatchersRadio.com, if I'm correct. Is that correct, Angel? You're correct, sir. Thank you. A <laughs> uh, voice from above. Uh, in the meantime, folks, it's a little past one. We've gone a couple of minutes over. Angel, who do we have that we're stepping on uh, right now? Who's coming up right after this? Uh, right now, it's going to be uh, Dr. J coming up next. All right. Folks, we've got Dr. J coming up, who I'm sure is going to be an interesting podcast, but not just good as... Not as good as ours. Um, I, I really want to thank you, Walter, for being on. Uh, you know, it, it, it was it was really enlightening and interesting going back and forth with you. I'm looking forward to having you on again. And ladies and gentlemen, have yourself a great, great rest of the evening if you're staying up and if you're crashing out, sleep well. And look forward to us next week on Tuesday with something even – well, actually, something maybe not as – interesting as this but something just as good as this show i am alan weiler that was walter bosley angel in the background doing the production and have an amazingly amazingly great evening and rest of the week see you in seven days